ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Punkarama. We are dedicated in our endeavor to get to every epitaph ever. Where we wax poetic on nostalgia and aesthetic. Welcome aboard. So welcome aboard. From me, your podcast warlord. That's right. Is that cute? Two on those intro uh, taglines. I really like that. What did I have on the last one? I don't think you had. I don't think I had because I just wrote this like for like the last episode and I like it because I I need an intro. Very good. Thanks, man. Sal, you're back. I'm back. Uh, Sal from the infamous uh, Elliot Smith episode (laughs) from a basement on the hill. Yep. Uh, And uh, fan favorite, by the way. Hmm. I'm a fan of it and it's my favorite. So there you go. Fan favorite. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, and so we are going to tackle a record that I think we even mentioned on that. Yes, we did. We mentioned mm-hmm. on that episode. What are we, what are we going to go over today? We are doing On the Impossible Past by the Menzingers. Yeah, man. This was one record I was so excited to do. And I'm glad that, you know, you wanted to do this record too, because like this was, uh, this was the record that got you into the Menzingers, right? Yeah. First yeah, of all, man. do you say Menzingers or Menzingers? Menzingers. Men- what do I say? Menzingers. 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 Yeah, what do you say? I think I say Menzingers, but I've never gotten a straight answer on that. Yeah. And so I've always been super, you know... Menzingers? Con- concerned with it. <laughs> it couldn't be Menzingers, <laughs> no, right? No, no, I don't think so. It's I'm trying to remember what they said. I mean, because when we saw them live, they must have said, hey, we're the X. Yeah. What do they say? Yeah. Or like the bands before. You guys excited for... Actually, all right, let's talk about that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I had a I had a podcast and which is coming back, but I still need to get to it called This World's an Ugly Place and it was just me kind of playing music mm-hmm. and uh, you for I played Casey yep. that song. Yep. And you heard it. Was that the first Menzinger Menzinger song you heard? That was not the first Menzinger song I heard. Uh but it was the reason that I got into the Menzingers. Oh, that you were like, okay, these guys are like everything that everyone's hyping them up to be. Yeah, because I had heard, um, I'm trying to think about what the first song I heard was. It was probably like the first song on the, on, on the Impossible Pass, or maybe it was something from Chamberlain Waits, because one of my coworkers was really into it, and he played it, he like, was like, oh, you got to check this out. Maybe it was uh, I Was Born, which actually I love that song now. But that was the, That's the opening track of Chamberlain Waits. Uh, that song's awesome. It's now. an amazing song. And... Uh, but I just, for some reason, didn't get it, and we'll get it. We can we'll, we can get deeper into that. But I just didn't get it, and I was like, "Yeah, these guys are a little bit overhyped." And then I was listening to "This World's an Ugly Place," and you played that song, and I was like, "Oh fuck, this is really fucking good." And I just kept. I didn't even like find the song on YouTube or like anything. I just kept like rewinding back to that point in your podcast and like really? listening to the song. Oh man! Yeah. Like that day, I <laughs> just like, like kept the school. browser window open and like. Went back to it a bunch of times, and like that was how I got into the Mentigers. So yeah. I saw they were playing at this place in New Jersey called the Stanhope House, mm-hmm. which I had never been to before. Yep. Had have you? Had you? No, nope, that was my first time. Okay. And then did I put it out on Facebook, and you were like, "Yeah, I'm down," or did I ask you specifically? I can't remember. I don't. I don't, I don't remember, remember either. Yeah. Regardless, we it was on a week. It was on a school night. Yeah, it was on a school night. It was on yeah. a school night, and we <laughs> drove into. It was like an hour drive. It was a good drive yeah, in. It was like Central Jersey, right? Yeah, or something North like Central that. Jersey. North Central Jersey, yeah. something around there. Uh, and we get there, and it's just like, it's this like bar, 
It's like a bar restaurant, mm-hmm. and I was almost, I was when we first got there, I was like, this can't be the place. Yeah, me too. I thought. Did you think way. so too? Like, this doesn't seem right. It seems like a place that you go to in a small town, and like they have you know open mic night, right? You know, mm-hmm. or like the local, uh, you know, cover band. I was gonna say, but I was going for something specific, like Cool in the Gang cover band would play. That's all white guys, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or they're they're doing like lots of like Bon Jovi covers or, or Pepper like covers. That. Yeah, <laughs> something yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And uh, and that was where the show was, and it was like this cool place. The stage was at a grade. Do you remember that? Yeah. The stage mm-hmm. is below, below where everyone below. stands. That was. Crazy. I had never been to Gotta a show be like, like that a before. Health hazard. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so this band opened up, who I thought was really cool, turned out to be this band Timeshares. Yeah. Who I know a guy in that band. No shit. I know the drummer. Really. This guy Eric. Yeah. And I totally didn't realize it was them, but I was like, these guys are pretty good. These guys Ooh. are great. And then yeah, I, and good. then I, and then I saw them open up for the Bouncing Souls later. But uh, like they were, they were good. And then you know the Menzingers came on, and it was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was small show. Mm-hmm. The last show I went to that reminded me of that. I went to go see Newfound Glory on the Catalyst tour in Delaware in this like Sweet Sixteen hall, like where Is someone would have Catalyst? their Sweet Sixteen. Wasn't that like a on massive Catalyst? Record? Yeah, Pulley opened up for them. Pulley. Pulley. Oh, wow. Who's an epitaph band? Them. For a long time. I went there. It was me and some guys I was in with uh, who do Jews and Reviews who were in new, this band, Newfound Glory. And do you, know, do you ever know a band called Howard Finster? No. Uh, we went there with a dude from him. And the guy from Pulley was like, hey, it's the guy from Howard Finster. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was a cool show. Awesome. But like, yeah, that, that Menzinger show was something else. The mics went out. Yep, the mics went out. Yeah, and they... Uh... What did they play? They played um, Santeria. And they oh, they played, played Santeria yeah, out of played, nowhere. I think they played like radio and they played uh, oh, no, Roots the, Radicals maybe? The, the encore was all rancid songs. Oh, was that it? Yeah, the yeah. The encore was all rancid songs. But when the when the mics went out, the bassist just started playing the the bass line from Santeria and everyone was just everyone saying Everyone just saying the word. It was fucking awesome, And they played man. the whole song. I know. The whole song. It was so it's cool. Like, way to make the best of that situation. Guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And have you, have you ever been in another situation like that? Like, have you ever seen a band do something like that? I've, I mean, in high school, I remember there were my friend Pete, who I, we talked about on the last podcast. Uh, he used to throw shows and, you know, we were in a band together. It was a shitty band. We were in a few, but this mm-hmm. particular band was called To Be Decided. And we did a lot Jesus. of MXPX and NoFX covers. And uh, so we played the show opening for this band at a loss, which was like, they were like legendary Bronx band, like post hardcore kind of, you know, early two thousands post hardcore band, but like with more of a punk edge. Um, Anyway, so everyone was so hyped that they were playing this show, right? And mm-hmm. they were on last and like Pete overbooked the show. There's like seven bands on the show. It was ridiculous. Uh, I can't remember if there, there was one show that My Chemical Romance was supposed to be on. It might have been this show, but they didn't come. Wow. Uh, but At a Loss was there, and they were fucking killing it. They're like three songs into their set. Everyone's going nuts. Mics go out. And like... Just the mics? Just the mics. So the out. house the goes out. out. Right, yeah. And like, you know, this is a band that's very vocal, like heavy and stuff, but they didn't, they just fucking like kept going and just killed it. And Without mics? That's awesome. Out. Yeah, it was good. Amazing for them that's the thing to do yeah uh that's awesome so yeah that was this menzinger show was was 
remains one of the best shows I've ever been to. Dude, and, absolutely. Uh, and, and it just, it felt unexpected to me that it was that small because like oh yeah. for some reason I, I was kind of, I had actually seen the men's years like maybe it was a couple weeks before that or mm-hmm. maybe slightly after at St. Vitus. Uh, it was point. after. It was yeah, after? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was after, and that was, you know, a bigger show. And then, sure. like, a couple months after that, I saw them open for Lucero with Titus Andronicus at Terminal 5. Whoa. And, like, it was, like, half-packed Terminal 5. Like, there was no one there. It Titus was Andronicus fucking... was headlining that show? Lucero was headlining, actually. Lucero was yeah. headlining. Mm-hmm. So it was Menzinger's first, Titus Andronicus, who are my... Those are my two favorite modern punk bands, so I was, like, on a cloud. And then Lucero, who I like stayed for half their set. And I'm sorry if people don't. If, uh, oh, because yeah. you, yeah, okay. I just, I don't really know them that well. And I was enjoying it, but. That's a rough place for them to fill. Yeah. Terminal 5. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I think they're cool, but yeah. uh, that's, a, that's, that's ambitious yeah, for them. Yeah, dude, anyway. I know. Uh, but how was, how was uh, Menzinger set there and everything? It was, it was really good. Yeah. It was really good. Not were as good as the them? show that. Th- yeah. I mean, I think most of the people were probably there for. The Menzinger, the Menzingers had a lot of people there for them, sure. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Titus, most people were not. It was like me and like five other dudes, but which is funny because they're a much bigger band than the Menzingers. Yeah. Uh, but it was awesome. So the thing about that, the thing about that uh, Stanhope House show was, I think there was like this perfect confluence of like all of these cool things that can happen in music. Mm-hmm. Like we had never been to the venue before. Yep. It was. We never been in the town before. Yeah. It's a small town show, mm-hmm. right? And it was in this like really unassuming place mm-hmm. that doesn't seem like a venue that a big a band like that would play. Right. And like it, all of this like you know kind of bad shit happened, like the mics going out and all that. But they made the best of it. They played a second encore of just like rancid songs. Yeah, that was it awesome. was it was it was it was magical. It, it really truly was. really was. Um, did you did you stage dive and get your foot like caught in the light, or someone did that? Was that you? That wasn't me. That Not was... for that. How could you stage? Or crowd surf. Sorry. Yeah, you can't stage yeah, yeah. dive. You'd have to stage mountain climb. Someone or like, like was was crowd surfing and like got their foot like caught in like one of the strings of lights and like kind of pulled one of them down, what? but it didn't fall off. It was just kind of like cathudded a little bit. I don't you know? remember that. You don't remember oh that? Oh my god! No, no, no. We yeah. got separated at one yeah, point because it was yeah. a, it was it was a rowdy uh, show. It was a rowdy show. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was a great show. And I've seen them since then, but like that, that's the top for them. Honestly, like, yeah, if I never got to see them ever again in my life, I, would, I wouldn't care. Like, because that show yeah. is so fucking good. <laughs> like, there's something you said about intimate shows, but then when you're... Because we, uh, we saw Against Me at Vitus, which was, uh, it was like, they played that after another show, right? Yeah, I actually went to the show before that's right, that, you that did. night, too. Yeah. And that was a tiny show, but mm. you kind of knew what you were getting into. So it was a great right. show in a, in a tiny spot, but like it didn't have all of that other right. stuff going for exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this record, uh, this record came out in 2012, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, and uh, it's their third studio that's record. That's a long time ago. It is a long time ago. It doesn't feel like it, but yeah uh 2016 now mm-hmm. i feel like i listen to the podcast a lot and they talk about like the date but they don't say the year right and i'll listen to them years later did you know that the menzingers were like used to be in these two separate bands one of them the main one was bob and the saggots yes ska punk band i know j- just because i remember reading about it, it and i was like like when i first started getting into them i was like that's such a good band name yeah and <laughs> 
I, I could I, I didn't look it up for some reason, but I, there's got to be something out there. I would love to hear that. Yeah, I, I've never listened to it. Um, but like this was after a lesson in abusive information technology, 2007, Chamberlain Waits, as we previously said, 2010, and then on the impossible past, this comes out. Uh, on May, so when this came out, this was met with like widespread critical acclaim. Yeah. So totally. much so that you were a little bit skeptical of it. Yes. Brett Gerwitz. On May 17, 2011, they had signed to Epitaph Records. Brett Gerwitz says that, and I quote, These guys play the kind of pure punk rock that I grew up with. They are seriously talented songwriters, and I'm happy to welcome them to the Epitaph family. I think the band is a great fit here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you had heard all that stuff. Yeah. And so was was hearing Casey the turning point for you, or like what was the turning point? Yeah, that was definitely the turning point. Because I read the, the Brett Gerwitz thing, I think... Um, there was like a gushing review of the record on Absolute yeah. Punk, and I think they quoted sure. that Brett Gerwitz thing, and I was like, okay, if Brett Gerwitz feels this way, this must be fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it, and I was just kind of like, eh, it sounds like a badly produced like early Gaslight Anthem record, whatever, not really into it. Uh, so you had given it a listen? Like, or? not the whole way through, like right. the first five songs. Cursory listen, okay. Yeah, and it was like, I was at work, and I wasn't really paying attention. Um, and so I was kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. Uh, and then on the podcast, on your podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard Casey and like, and that's at the end, at the end, the end of the, of the record, record. So you probably didn't listen to no, it. No, I didn't get there. Yeah. Uh, and I just got so roped into like the storytelling of that song. You know, um, I love when like bands are good storytellers, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, the whole steady comes to mind. I don't know if you've listened to them that mm-hmm. much, but, uh, I feel like there's a little bit of the same kind of like Absolutely. Midwest the sort of, you know, Rust Belt storytelling going on in the Menzingers, some mm-hmm. of their tracks, maybe not as detailed or as conceptual as some of the Hold Steady stuff, but there was something about the story in that song that just like really pulled me in and like, I was like, wow, this is so here. I think the storytelling songs are mostly the ones that Greg Barnett sings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... You know, you can. He's got a different voice than Tom, yep. the other lead singer, and um, like, you can tell that it's these. It, he's doing the storytelling thing, and it's funny because, like, the the lyrics don't necessarily all, always rhyme in his songs, right? Because yeah. he's telling a story, which kind of reminds me of a lot of like early, not even early, but just like Atari stuff. Because a lot of Atari mm. stuff, like, is just you know talking. It, it's storytelling, you know. Yeah. Um, giving up on love is like that. Uh, San Dimas. San Dimas. Yeah, it doesn't rhyme, you know. Yeah. Which which I never was, even thought about that, but now that you say that, that makes a lot of sense. It was one of the things I pinpointed about the Ataris, like what is different about them. Like I know that something's different, but what, I, what I'm trying to put my finger on it, and it's that it's that they're doing the storytelling thing, and it's kind of just prose, you know. Mm. It's not. It doesn't have any like real rhyming meter to it. Right. Uh, what, what, what's the in this diary like that's yeah. a big song of theirs that doesn't rhyme no no it doesn't Visions of my song. yeah Best yeah it's can just storytelling is that cool what's up can I move the mic a little bit yeah yeah that's, that's move, it, move it however you'd like okay cool uh, so that I think like Greg Barnett stuff has a lot of that yeah. going for it um, dude this, yeah really <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was recorded at Atlas Studios in Chicago produced by Matt Allison uh, who produced Alkaline Trio and the Lawrence Arms, who are now in that fucking awesome super band, The Falcon. I've never heard of this. Oh my God. It's got uh, people from Lawrence Arms, from, uh, it's got Dave Hawes from uh, The Loved Ones. Ones. 
loved ones. Loved yeah. ones. Yeah. And uh, oh fuck, I forget the third band, and I can't believe I'm forgetting. First it right of now. all, that's like the best band name ever. The Falcon. The Falcon. The Falcon. <laughs> there is the article the in it. That's so good. Yeah, so cool. Wow, let's check that out. And uh, engineered by this dude Justin Yates. Um, all right, dude. Uh, I guess we're just gonna we're just gonna get straight into it, and then we'll like kind of break off from there. Uh, yeah, I made a note that Greg Barnett reminds me of the Atari's because the lyrics don't rhyme and it's all storytelling. Hmm. But we said that. Good note. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to get into the first track here Good Things. I wanted to get to the all good things part before I start talking. So, whew. fuck! What an intro, man. So <laughs> I might have uh, a divisive opinion on this. Really? I don't think this is a good opening song. Oh, man, really? Here's why. Okay. So we're back. He's back to this refrain, mm-hmm. which is kind of the beginning of the song. Mm-hmm. I like the conventional cliche thing in opening tracks where it either starts off super high energy uh-huh. or it like slowly builds in like one thing and one thing and one thing, which this song doesn't really do. No. It goes from like, a f- it goes from like in terms of energy five to like eight, you right. know, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not things being constantly added on this building up of stuff. You know, or it's like kind of a, back and forth. It's very like binary in terms of energy. Right, and there's no there's yeah. no like crescendo into mm-hmm. it, and I yeah. need I like that introduction to it. Mm-hmm. Like this is very much like it's it's. I don't want to, but it's almost like, and it's not the case for them. But when you first start writing songs, or you hear like you know bands early stuff, they don't let things breathe. They don't let yeah. things come in. It's just everything at once you know Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what this is there's no little drum thing at the beginning there's no guitar thing at the Mm -hmm. beginning to lead in it's guitar and vocals right there and i wanted like a little a a little little lead in i need i need a i need a lead in i need an app like a little appetizer thing Hmm. not to say this song is bad at all i think this song is terrific i love it uh but uh like I don't know. I almost feel like sometimes I'll download records and I'll be missing the first track for some reason. It almost feels like it's missing a you first feel track. Like you want another track? Interesting. I feel like it's missing a first track. Huh. I love the song. I think it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I don't know if I. I, I love and when it really kicks in, it's great. Yeah. But I either need a little bit more lead in for that. And this is me telling the Menzingers what they should be doing <laughs> with the fucking song. I'm just talking about my, you know, yeah, personal totally. opinion That's on this. That's what this is about, man. Yeah, dude. What do you think? Um, well, I have the opposite opinion. Um, okay. I mean, I totally am for a lot for make for letting things breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love how this song just like, it's just like within the first 10 seconds of this record, we get a microcosm of what this whole record is going to be. And these lines, 
I've been sure. having a horrible time pulling myself together. I've been closing my eyes to find the old familiar failures. And to me, this record is about like, you know, especially uh, what's what's this singer's name, Greg? Uh, that singer's name is not Tom. Tom. It, Tom no, that's, that's not Tom. Tom. It's not? Yeah, it is. No, that's, it's Greg. I've been having it's, No, is it Tom? Who's Jesus the, Christ. It's the dude, it's... Greg. It's the guy who I like better. <laughs> Whatever that guy Greg's is. the one that does the storytelling. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, it's that Greg. guy. It's Greg. Um, anyway, but I just, that, I just like, what a way to sum up like all of the themes on this record to mm-hmm. me. It's like struggle and like this like bitter nostalgia kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I just love how it like comes right out of the gate like that. Um, so your comments uh, have gotten me actually, this might be slightly derailing a little bit, but like, what's the most important song on record to you? Are you really the most like important song? to the first song? Yeah, like in general. I don't think the most important song is the first one at all. No? No, no, no. Uh, I, but I think the first song is an important song, but mm-hmm. it's not the most important. I don't know what the most important song is. Like in terms of track listing, I don't or think... Just I, in terms of like when you're listening to a record. Yeah. What is the song that's like always make or break or like it's like holds a lot of weight? Third or fourth. The third or fourth? Yeah, just like a batting order. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Third or fourth. Usually they put, you know, traditionally they'll put, you know, the the big the single or the big song in there. Third mm-hmm. or fourth song. Um, yeah, in that order. Just like a batting order, you want your heavy hitters up top. Mm-hmm. And you need your guy that can get on base and the and the on the at the you know starting out. Yeah, third or fourth, I would say. Cool. I would say the second song, actually. The second song. Yeah, to me. There's, I mean, the, there's this, the second song. I feel like sometimes what happens is the first song will be a great opener, and mm-hmm. then they'll dip a little bit in the second song, and right. then the third and fourth song they'll bring it I back in. I hate when they do that. Not always <laughs> the case. when they dip in the second song. Because, <laughs> like, uh, 59 Sound. Uh, yeah. 59 Sound is the second song, mm-hmm. and that's, that's the best song on the fucking record. Totally. Um, oh, man, that song rips, dude. Uh, that's not an epitaph, is it? No, 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 it's not. It's on Side One Dummy. dummy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) but what is it to you? The second song? Why? I I think it's because like, you know, the first song is always seems like, I feel like most of the time you, you can get where a band is going with their first song. Like if you've spent enough time with a band and you've heard enough of their records, you can kind of a lot of times assume what they're going to do. It's like, oh, they're like a pop punk band. Like they're probably going to come out with some energy, although not in the case of this Menzingers record, they're not. Um, but a lot of times the first song is very expected to me. Okay. And then especially in the instance of like, uh, you know, a more aggressive or like upbeat record, the second song is, it's just like, it, it should elevate. It should elevate things in my opinion. Okay. Um, and just like, it, I almost I always like records where like the first song and the second song almost like feel like they flow into each other really I like, well. Yeah, I like which that this too. record really does. Like you know, the last chord of good things hits, and then and then there's, know, a, there's a there's a, a crash in the and so those two songs almost feel like one song to me, and I absolutely love when that happens. Yeah, I do too because I'm a, I'm still a big I, and I know that I feel like listening to music is moving away from like listening to a whole album's worth of mm-hmm. songs and more towards like a that single sucks. culture. I'm, I'm, I'm not into it either, <laughs> yeah. but like I still like listen to whole albums and yeah. like that. I love when stuff plays into each other like that. Um, yeah. And I, again, I think this first song is awesome, but like, I, I, you want I, a little more, I, I need a little bit more like, uh, I don't know, like a lead in or something like that. I don't know. But then you're right. It gets to this, uh, would you say this is their most popular song? 
You know, I don't know. I, I think maybe Gates is probably the most popular. You think Gates is more popular than this? Maybe. Interesting. And the reason I say so is because I feel like I've I've seen a lot of people who I didn't even know liked the Menzingers or that kind of music, like post mm. links to that song on the internet. Interesting. So that's why I think it's the most popular. It's probably my favorite on this record. No, it's actually not. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I take that back. There, I have a lot of favorites on this record. But you think this is the most popular song? Yeah. I think this is their most popular song. Huh. And we're, we're going to stop being fucking cheeky about it. This is burn after writing. Yeah. <laughs> song that I once heard Same melody I borrowed from the void I'd rather observe The structure and narrative The characters are thin The plot does not develop It ends with it begins Okay, first of all, I'm going to correct myself because I think I've mixed up Tom and Greg in terms of vocals. Like, I know what they look like. The one, the guy who sang the first song is the left-handed guitar player. Right, that's I Tom, think he's I Tom. Think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's with the glasses, short hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mixed it up. And this guy plays, like, the hollow body, like, Epiphone. He's bald. With the glasses, that's Tom. But Greg's not bald. I don't know, man. We got we to go to the internet. <laughs> I'm going to show you a picture. I know who this guy is because I remember seeing them live. And this is the guy with, who plays the hollow body. Or semi-hollow body. Okay, that's a terrible picture. Oh, there you go. No, this Greg is the other guy, isn't it? Yeah, this is the guy who sings... Uh, He's singing this now. No, I think it's the other this way around. This is Tom? Yeah. Okay. I think so. I'm pretty God. sure. Can we go to Wikipedia and say who's, who's the lead vocalist? They both are. Yeah, so the... They're both lead the vocalists. The high part right now is that guy. Yeah, uh, is, is Greg. Is Greg. Yeah. And here's how I can... Here, here's, here's exactly how I know this. I'm going to pull it up on here, and I'm going to show you, and we're going to listen to this. <laughs> uh, talk about the song, by the way. Uh, I really like this song. Um... Uh, what can I say? Great chorus. Um, great transition out of uh, out of the first song, and I and I do love when bands, you know, uh, have two singers. When oh, they, me too. When, when they, they sing together to, like yeah, that, when they sing together, oh. it's so gratifying. Oh my god, dude, that's like it doesn't happen enough, honestly. When they sing together like that, it is like it is like it is like caramel. And like peanuts on top of ice cream. It just <laughs> mixes together so well because they're both different tones. Yeah. Peanuts are crunchy and caramel is smooth, but mm. they both taste oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I that, love when that's that how happens, I describe it. <laughs> that is that is a great description. So thank you. I uh, feel like they're like uh We're gonna watch this. We're gonna yeah, you guys is... are gonna listen. And we're gonna this is a little thing on Vimeo of the Menzingers playing uh Burn After Writing Acoustic. We're gonna we're gonna see who's singing what. Oofa. We're the Coke Brothers, and this is. We're the Coke Brothers. 
By the way, now whenever I pick up a guitar, this is the first song I immediately start doodling. Really? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, so this is Tom, yes. right? Okay. This is Tom. Who is not the singer on Gates and... Yes, he's... That's great. So, all right. So now we got our, our Toms our, and our Greg straight. Right. I, I love that acoustic version, by the way. Good, good, good version. I've seen that. Whenever they do their acoustic version of that stuff. Um, dude, this song is just like such a strong and powerful, like... It's it's like a perfect like uh, like neo pop punk mm. song to me because yeah. it's or just punk I guess you know yeah. it's I, I wouldn't even put it in the, I guess it's one of the more punk. straightforward songs on the album I think in terms of that like I think neo pop punk is a really good way of putting it it's like very straight ahead energy like it's not terribly it's not happy you know no. yeah it's more I guess oh man I guess emo is what you can call it because I feel like whenever people talk about like pop punk that's not just happy and like jokey mm -hmm. it's it's emo mm. but uh then there's also of Blood course turn. this version whoa what is this you don't know what this is no oh sal dude you're gonna hear this, this and you're gonna know what it is no 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 no, no. It sounds very similar well it's burn after right oh it's the same song different leagues from a song that I once heard the same melody I borrowed from the boy I'd rather wait till the second part comes in when he when he starts singing his high register you'll know who it is wait who is this what? Come on! Who is it? I can't, it's on the tip of my tongue. If you can't get it by the chorus, I'll tell you. <laughs> what? No, I don't know. Man. Who did you think? Who were you going to say? I, I don't know. This is, uh... This is Epitaph Label Mates, The Bouncing Souls. Oh, shit. Yeah. This is a split uh, they did with I them in 2013. <laughs> you should feel embarrassed. They did a split with them in 2013 called Shocking. They each put a new song oh, on there. Oh, that's the, the Shakes. Uh, the Shakes on there, is on right? there, yeah, and they do yeah, Kate yeah. is Great. Kate is Great, yeah. Right. The men's singers do Kate is Great, of course. Yeah. Oh, shit. I've listened to that split, too. What the fuck? Anyway. Anyway. Well, that's embarrassing. Um, that's all right. You were on the spot a little bit. For that. <laughs> um, I like their I version love when of it. Bands do covers. Oh, the splits. Yeah, I love it. I love splits, man. Uh, I think one of my favorite ones is that Hot Water Music Alkaline Trio one. I haven't heard that one. Uh, I think Hot Water Music does radio or something like that. Maybe something else, but that's fucking amazing. Um. I'm trying to think of anything else with this with this fucking song. I, I I think this is just such a good, perfect, like neo pop punk song. Um, this is everyone always goes crazy for the song. It's because yeah. it's the most straightforward, high energy one, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, 
I can't get enough of it. Yeah, I don't know. I love. Oh my god. Okay, if I can, if I can fawn over the lyrics a little bit. Yeah. Um. Uh, to see your. Uh, what, what's the. What I'd give to force your sigh. What I'd give to force your sigh. What I'd give to see you cry. What I'd give for your caress to see your blue cotton dress ball the form. The specifics of that. Yeah. Man, oh man. Awesome. Oh. Oh my God. I love that's that's why I love this type of music so much because it's so specific and so uh, I don't know what, what what is the word you would put in for that you know it, I, I I can't think of any other word it's but like emo if you take fuck a, if it's like if you take a, cre- a creative writing class and your teacher's like you know you're writing about I don't know fucking eating a quesadilla and your teacher's like yeah but what was the cheese like or whatever and you yeah, really get yeah, in yeah, there you know yeah. <laughs> like it's like really highly descriptive like about the specific details i love it um the one lyric i always wondered about in this is uh and I, this could be me projecting you know similar bands onto them but same melody uh oh. same melody i borrowed from, from the, the void. void is that like a reference to the void the band the void or uh i don't think they would void, be rather? i don't think they would be so on the nose with that i yeah. think that they're referring to the void as the void like, like just the, the, abyss, ether. the ether yeah yeah okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. i um, wasn't sure because i was like is that a reference or uh and also i mean this this the title of the song is obviously a play on burn after reading. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but all, I mean, it's funny that you bring up that, uh, that creative writing thing because, uh, you know, it's got a whole like critique in there. The plot, the plot is not developed. It ends where it begins. Yeah. You know, there's all this critique mm-hmm. in there. Oh. And the, the way it culminates and ends was, I wishing, does it say, was I wishing on satellites? Yeah. I think that's the lyric. That's a fucking. I, I want. That's got to be a nod to Billy Bragg, right? Billy Bragg, yeah. It's got to be. Uh, I love. I just love this song so much. I think, like this is the this is the most pizza song <laughs> on this record. Like I, I yeah. want to say it's my favorite, but like that's like saying pizza is your favorite. Like of huh. course you like fucking pizza. You know, everybody fucking likes pizza. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Cool, man. Uh, all right, let's, let's get into. Uh, do you have anything else on the on no. Burn After Writing? All I have to say is that I think that the next song coming up is my pizza. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so this is the obituaries. There's a good example of like this, you know, non-rhyming prose that he's mm-hmm. saying on there. And here, here's why I think this is less pizza than Burn After Writing because Burn After Writing has a very easily consumable, catchy lead guitar riff, and it's and it's in the vocals as well. Yeah. And while this is, it's got great guitar parts. The noodley guitar. The noodley guitars are great, you know. 
it kind of reminds me for some reason of um, what's the second track off of uh, this, the Gaslight Anthem song after 59 uh, after no 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 after after 59 sound there Old was White Lincoln? no 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 what the, what's the Dude, next record really quick this is the pizza right here man Like, just so gratifying. It is very Because <laughs> it's so simple. I know. It's so simple. It just, I mean, it's just like... It's its the perfect... It's the perfect... Okay, here's how I'm going to try and describe like that. I will fuck this up. I fucking know it. It's the perfect encapsulation of this, like, youthful... Uh, not dread, but like pointlessness to everything mm -hmm. and the inevitability the inevitability of failure and all yeah. that stuff said in this crass youthful punk way mm -hmm. you know it, it, it's just and it's so relatable right you know and it's so succinctly said mm -hmm. uh, I, what, what else totally what encapsulates got? that that sort of feeling you know um, in such a simple way just like you said but it's so clever at the same time. Yeah. It's like when 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 something's so I'm not going I'm not going to call this dumb because it's it's not dumb because it's just so simple. Yeah. It's so, something so simple yet so clever. I'll fuck this up. I fucking know it, you right. know. It's like what you would say to yourself like when you're like, you know, having like an introspective moment like after maybe something really good that happened or like as something a good like, you know, period in your life is starting to potentially like gradually like things are starting to kind of go bad a little bit and you're kind of talking it out with yourself and you're mm -hmm. like i'm gonna fuck this up i fucking know it right you know it's kind of like succumbing to your own uh your own sort of ability to fuck things up for yourself and like maybe that's a little bit easier sometimes to, but, to do that you know but it's also like not cleaned up for art's sake at all. No. Like he could have not. said it in a much more, you know, uh, dramatic way. Mm -hmm. But it's just very straightforward and it's just very sort of like everyday vernacular. You to know? use fuck two Twice. times in like a span of four words. <laughs> Almost as if it, it was the rhyming pat part of the rhyming pattern or this like this like profane alliteration of it, you know, yeah. the K's of that. Like it, it hits at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what like the cleverness is, you know, of it. But even though it's not clever, yeah. it's just like it's like Bukowski clever. How's that? <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Because yeah. it's like profane, but it's like, oh, this is fucking beautiful and all that stuff. Uh -huh. I don't know. It's it's a great song. And the, yeah, the crowd always goes crazy for this too. Yeah. Um featuring Greg Barnett on Glockenspiel. Huh. Yeah. Wow. I think I hear it in the background a little yeah. bit. And now we're gonna get to what you say is the most popular track on yes. this. Uh, yeah, named after, of course, the founder of Microsoft. This is Gates. <laughs> The only single on this record. Really? Yeah. Didn't they release the obituaries too? Or maybe that was just like... Uh, some site if they did, was it wasn't following. on the Wikipedia. Oh. <laughs> as, an, as an official release at least. Ah, uh, okay. I am 
I love declarative lyrics. When someone says "I am" and this is what I am, you know, and then he, and then it's like, and it's done in a little bit of a dramatic way, yeah. just like in um, I can't remember the name, but uh, when Jesse Lacey goes, "I am heaven sent," don't you dare forget, yeah, just this declarative statement. I love it. I love it so much. There's a real sense of place to this song, like that's. What do you mean by that? Like the lyrics about the VFW hall, like you know, yeah. Um, Again, very descriptive, very like uh, and there's a, and, specific, right? Yeah. And there's a sense of you know this when part you here. Both smoke, smoke the same cigarettes. cigarettes. I love they repeat Such smoke. I love you repeat yeah. smoke. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's just because he didn't want to go smoke the same cigarettes. Right. He needed. He wanted that but like it also staccato. Feels like like, it alludes to just like chain smoking behind this diner, like with this girl, you know, too. Like in a way, I don't know if he meant to do that, but that's what it kind of makes me think. About. It reminds smoke, me smoke. of. It reminds me of uh, Quick Check Girl. What's that? The bounce. It was a bouncing soul song called yeah. Quick Check Girl. Yeah, oh, for two on bouncing souls. I don't really know them that well. To be honest. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. So. <laughs> uh, there's a song called Quick Check. You know what the Quick Check is? It's like yeah. a Seven Eleven from Jersey. Mm-hmm. And he talks about like helping the he's he's like he's got a crush on the quick check girl and he like helps her unwrap the papers the newspapers that she gets in mm-hmm. like in the morning like let me help you unwrap the papers um, just this very specific like you know something that's like I feel like is new to our generation almost not not definitely not new to our generation but maybe talking about it is or romanticizing it is because i feel like romanticizing women traditionally is like let me take care of everything for you right and do everything and all that stuff but with this it's like this like middle class acceptance of like we all have these bullshit menial labor jobs Mm -hmm. when we're young you know you work at the quick check or like you're a waitress you know yeah and so you're acknowledging the fact that you have your responsibilities and your job and all that stuff. But you're like romanticizing like, you're not just sitting there waiting for me. Like you're off doing this other stuff and I'm still admiring you do all that right. stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. There's something fresh to that uh-huh. just because I don't know that in a lot of other songs or things like that. Yeah. Whenever you're talking, whenever a, a man is referencing a girl that he's attracted to, it's always like she was the prettiest. She's the prettiest one there. She's the prettiest one at the dance or something right. like that, and that's cool. But it's never like she's doing work. You know, she's got this like job that she probably doesn't love, but she's doing work, and like I'm, I'm acknowledging that. Right. Do you it's know almost, what I mean? It's kind of like almost like um, I think it's maybe not so much in this kind of music, but it's definitely like a more common trope in like Americana and stuff like that. Like you know, it's something you would hear. Like it sounds like it could be like a Neil Young lyric. You think so? I don't know like much that. Neil Young. You know, like there's this there's this Neil Young song, um, "Unknown Legend," okay, uh, which I would really highly recommend checking out. It's it's and it's kind of, you know, some of the lyrics are like she used to work in a diner, never seen a woman look, look finer, but like so that's kind of like okay, you know, admiring. But it just kind of talks about the quiet strength of this like waitress and like. Who... I love that stuff. And you know what? I guess they do say it a lot because if that was in a Neil Young song, I'm sure it's an old one. And then there was what's the most like fucking one of the most popular songs ever? She was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. Yeah. Cocktail lounge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I, mean... I, I do love that though because there. You know what it was like? There was something like I don't know. Like I remember when I was like younger, like to. When a girl was like 
had a job and you would go visit her at her oh, job yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, but there's just like something very romantic about it. Absolutely. That. And the same thing for vice versa. Like if a girl would come visit you at your like like I worked at an ice cream store and like I remember like one time a girl who had a crush on me like came into the store and I was just like, "Oh my god." This Do you is think the she came in to see ever. you? I think she did. Yeah. What was it a was it a big chain? Was it like a Baskin Robin or a or Carvel. A, it was a Carvel. Carvel. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, there's something about, there's something about like young people becoming like adults and like have like, you know, you have jobs and that's right. like a fucking thing. I, yeah, I, I, lo- I love referencing, I love songs that reference like jobs like that. There, I guess it's nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. There's a, you remember Hello Goodbye? Yeah. Oh yeah. They're still around. There's a song they had called Bonnie Taylor Shakedown, 2K1. Uh, yeah. I know that and one. And what's the opening line? Do you remember? I remember the chorus, but I don't Visit remember. you at Baskin Robbins all the time, <laughs> unless you know that I'm yours and you are mine. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's something about that because I, you don't have that anymore. No. I feel like, you know? Well, it does. It's, it's, it really is hitting that like saccharine nostalgia gland saccharine that wires going, right yeah, to man. the brain, you know, of like, you know, that's, that's such an interesting period because you're like, I'm working, but it doesn't really matter. But like, I have money now. And like, you know, in that, the character in that song, you know, or in any of these songs, sure. like, this money, like I'm, I'm working and I'm making money. And like afterwards, like I'm waiting up for you or you're waiting up for me and we're going to do something fun with like, I, we have a little bit of money now. Maybe we have a car or something yeah. like that. You know, like it's, it's cool. But there's also like, what does he say right after? Like we're focusing in on that one line. What does he say right after that? Uh, fall for a waitress when you both smoke smoke the same cigarettes like when you're a romantic person and you're like drawing those conclusions of like like oh you know this one's a good one because we both smoke the same cigarettes or like she's wearing vans i love girls that wear vans everybody fucking wears vans (laughs) or chucks you know like oh my god you like taking back sunday like oh oh my god like everybody uh, every you know that age likes taking back right and but you're like but 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 that was that that could be potentially rare like i remember there was like a girl in my neighborhood who had like a dead kennedy shirt that i saw wearing a dead kennedy shirt and i was like oh my god you (laughs) are the coolest person ever absolutely you know because like you know, sometimes subcultures are hard to come by if you're depending on where you grow up. Absolutely. You know? Subcultures are hard to come by. And especially like when it, like if you're talking about a music scene like this, like somebody wearing a dead, somebody wearing a dead Kennedy shirt means one thing. I mean, dead Kennedy's is like, you can get those shirts at Hot Topic, right. of course, yes. but like it still means one thing as opposed to somebody wearing like, um, God, I'm trying to think of a more popular, like, contemporary band that pe- some people would wear then. Rancid shirt, you know? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like a rancid shirt. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they're mutually exclusive, but, like, it, I feel like it's easier to, like, be Wear promoting a rancid the f- shirt? Yeah. Yeah, because they were, they were a contemporary right. they were a band that was right, right, active right. at that time, and, like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I know what you mean. There was more gravitas to be wearing a Dead Kennedy shirt because, like, Jello Biafra is not of, it's not your generation's thing right. at all. It's another generation's right. thing. Right. It's another, exactly. And, like, exactly. that's cool. And there's an added layer of that. authenticity on, because of that. Exactly. You know? Yes. That layer of like authenticity. You went back. Or you least, might have heard Rancid on, you might have heard Ruby Soho on K Rock and, like, you know, you out now you it. like Rancid. Right. But, like, Dead Kennedys or, like, you're wearing, like, a, do they even make minor threat shirts? Probably not. But like, you know, something like that or like mm. a Clash shirt or something like that. Right. You know? By the way, I think the Clash, my favorite band, has the worst shirts and merch ever. Oh, they have terrible shirts, terrible. too. I don't dude. know why. They're, dude, of they're, course they're, they're your favorite band? 
Yeah, they're, I think they're, they're my, my top three. We should talk favorite. about the Clash. We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about Strummer and the Mescaleros oh, on, yes. on an episode coming yes, up. So we're gonna we're gonna dump all of that stuff. All right. out on there. Cool. Um, man. But one one I had a quote here about Gates, and this is um, Bill or the song. Uh, both. Okay. Something that Tom May says. I think that Gates is one of the most. And this is a quote. I think that Gates is one of the most mature songs on the album. Guitarist, vocalist Tom May explains, referencing the Tender Rock song by Barnett that truly transcends gender genres. I'm burping while I'm smoking this. <laughs> I hope it surprises people because it's not a straightforward punk song with gang vocals or anything like that, but it still definitely sounds like us. And he's absolutely right about mm. that. But. I think that that sounds like them because this is the sound that like I equate with like the Menzingers yeah, now. Yeah, me too. You know, that they're this punk band that does all of this, that does something different. They truly mm-hmm. are doing something different. Absolutely. You know, than everyone else. I have one more thing about yeah, this Yeah, please, song. please. Um, and this is Take It or Leave It. I don't know if you picked up on this, but I feel like in a weird way, like this song could potentially be... Um, like a precursor to Casey or like talking of the same character. Interesting. So just think about that and see if you, if you get that, oh, if, 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 um, if you're picking up what I'm putting down or if I'm way out there, I'm going to have to, it could, I'm going to have to listen to it again. Like after this podcast to do that, because a, a dude asks if he's, uh, if the girl he's talking about in burn after writing is the same girl he's talking about in, another record hmm. this is on an ama he did on reddit and mm-hmm. he was like no one was in scranton and one girl was in scranton and the other girl was in another part of pa hmm. um but this is all from the same time so it could absolutely be that but we're gonna get into another fucking awesome song called ava house Start screaming in this song. Yeah. Jeez uh, Louise. That's geez. that's when I start to. I, I like this song, but I have to be. It takes too long to start for me. <laughs> <laughs> Forget it, man. Remember it and then forget it. That's I never knew what he was saying there. So, Ava House lyrics. Ava, you're trying to get high. I hope the floor holds this time. We'll dance in subtle romance together. Great line, by the Mm -hmm. way. While we're making our time, while we're making our time. I saw the knife, now I'm leaning forward. Straight city light cut me down to size. The bums are scheming on their tall boys. I can hardly, I can hardly open my eye. Uh, hmm. Ava, are you trying to get high up the floor holds this time? We'll dance on romance together. And then, yeah. I thought it was like a cocaine lyric. I thought it was bumps off skin. And I thought the cutting No, the bums was, are scheming on their tall the boys. The cutting line was something about like cutting a line. 
Oh, interesting. And like the but knife I mean, is like yeah, a razor. Yeah, but I was never sure what the lyric was. I just kind of assumed. Yeah. Especially given the first lyric of the song, but sure. <laughs> See, this is where I love this part where the drums start driving. Fucking awesome. Where it really hits. I love anytime. I love in punk songs when guitar like because this will usually just happen in like a breakdown when like the guitar will drop out and it'll just be the drums and the vocals sometimes the bass in the background mm -hmm. and that's essentially just the verse for this song you know an odd positive message on this record yeah we're alive celebrate yeah, there's this song gets triumphant towards the end. Like you can't Certainly touch does. us, we're untouchable. Like, and and I believe it. Do you, you think know? they should? <laughs> do you think they should have finished the record with a song? No. 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 Okay. Um, it does feel a little odd where it is in the record. I will say that. Like, it kind of throws me off guard. Its positioning. Um, but I'm not sure where I would have put it otherwise. To be honest. Mm. Um. Yeah, I mean, the closer is, I feel like, couldn't be anywhere else but the closer. Um, okay, that's true. But uh, we'll but it, it definitely would have been like a, I could see it being a good ending, like, you know, because the, the really driving thing, and then you just kind of break it down to just the drums and the bass at the end. And mm -hmm. just, it's got a build up, it's yeah. got a breakdown, it's, mm -hmm. it ends on a positive note, a positive, like, tri triumphant, did you mm -hmm. use that word? I think that's the perfect word for it. Note for that. Uh, yeah. All right, we're gonna get. I love, I love this next track yeah, by the this, way. Sun this Hotel. Song fucking rips, man. I love how this opens. This sounds like it should be. This sounds like something that they might have had off of uh, the the earlier record. Chamberlain Waits. Chamberlain Waits, and then put, got put onto this. Mm, yeah. I remember. Much more straightforward punk song than I think anything else on this record. Right? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Probably the most. Except for maybe like Burn After. Uh, Burn After Writing. But even that, like, that seems like a developed punk song because it has the intro and all that stuff. This, you start off with vocals hits, and guitar. Yeah. Just hits, this yeah. Song, this song just pulls no punches, man. This song kind of... No, you can suck. <laughs> you know what this song feels like to me? And it could just be because the both songs have hotel, but have you ever heard the Leonard Cohen song Chelsea Hotel in no. number two? I know nothing about I know nothing about Leonard Cohen again, except that he's he is revered with people who I think have good taste in independent uh, art. Well, and, I, I, uh, I don't know and much. And he's got about a deep voice. Yeah, he does. That's all I, I only know, know like three of his songs, and one of them is Chelsea Hotel number two. Oh wait, hold on. And I'm pretty sure this corner of the world is the loneliest corner in the whole world. That's one of my to, favorite lyrics the, on the whole album. And I needed to hear that <laughs> muted little guitar yeah. riff. I love it. Dude, what a good lyric. Oh, it's it's just so like over the top, but it's yes. so good. It's the same it's kind of like along the lines of like I will fuck this up, I fucking know it. It's just mm -hmm. like 
it's uh, there's it's, no subtlety there. You there's know? no but subtlety. Like, it's bone. It's it's uh, floral, uh, not floral, but it's um, hyperbolic. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But that again, that's why I, it's dramatic. You're right. Yeah. That's why I like like this type of music. Uh, and he's got a great screaming voice too. Dude, anyway, yeah. I'm sorry, Leonard Cohen. Oh well, there. Basically, just this song to me, it it's it sounds like it's about like a relationship kind of unfolding, and a lot of it is happening in this like hotel, which is like you know evokes you know poverty and struggle, and like maybe you can't afford like to rent an apartment, a, an apartment so yeah. you're like living on the streets slash in a hotel kind of thing. We're running out of money is one of the lyrics. Yeah, and like Leonard Cohen has a song called Chelsea Hotel. Is it about Sid and Nancy? Uh, it might be. I don't. I don't really know. The, some of the lyrics are because um, I mean everything he described. I, re- I remember you well in the Chelsea Hotel. It is. That's the yeah. lyric. Mm-hmm. He must yeah. have gotten it from yeah. that. He uh, must have been playing off Leonard Cohen. Um, Keep telling me about it. I'm gonna Google this right it's now. It's a fucking awesome song, um, and it's just kind of about like a crumbling or like a sad sort of dysfunctional relationship. But each of the characters are kind of still getting something about it, but it just has this very deep sense of like inevitable end and like dread to it. Um, and I feel like this song has that same feeling to me, in, but in like a hyper, like charged up punk rock kind of way. Um, whereas the Leonard Cohen one is very ballady and slow and dreary. Um, but yeah, you should look up the, uh, pull up the lyrics if you can. So this got a lot of hits. I googled Leonard Cohen and Menzingers. Uh, quite a few things came up. You don't have that Leonard Cohen song on you, do you? I can get. I mean, I can get it on Spotify. Yeah, get or it you... on. Get it on Spotify. I don't pay for that shit. <laughs> I want to hear this now. Because someone posted Sun Hotel, Chelsea Hotel, the Menzingers on this Leonard Cohen mm. forum. Although the electric version bears. Less traces of the original. This acoustic version by Greg Barnett of the Menzingers is just amazing, in my honest opinion. Okay. So you're going to play me Leonard Cohen's Chelsea Hotel. Okay. I remember you well. Oh. In the Chelsea Hotel. It absolutely has to be. It has to be. We're talking so brave and so sweet. Giving me head on the unmade bed While the limousines wait in the street Those were the reasons that was New York We were running for the money and the flesh And that was called love For the workers in song Probably still is for those of them so on their AMA someone asked is the first part of the chorus in Sun Hotel paying homage to Leonard Cohen's Chelsea Hotel so that is fantastic a one word answer yup <laughs> apparently the chords are similar too which I guess that makes sense this is nice though I've never heard a Leonard Cohen song this is the first one I ever heard, and I've, like I said, I've probably heard like three to five, and this is my favorite. I know, I know. Apparently, he has a, a, a hallelujah. That's a big thing, but I've never actually heard it. Wow. Which Jeff Buckley also covered. And another dude I haven't gotten into. I know of him, but I haven't gotten into him. He's wacky. 
You were famous, you're high. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's sort of the idea. But um, yeah, I that's don't know. Nice, that, man. That I gotta get that. kind of made me uh, think of it. Maybe it's because the lyric is the exact same lyric. And it know? is, and it truly uh, is paying homage. Well, good for you for picking that out because I would have never fucking gotten that. So, this is the sixth track off this 13 track record. So we're about halfway. So we're gonna have a little moose boosh here, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna talk about one of your fucking songs. Oh. So, Sal, you're in a band called No Nets. Yes, yes, I am. Uh, and I would say, not just because you're sitting in front of me and you're a fan, but if I was putting together the for fans of thing... Yeah, yeah, please, I, I love to hear this because I have no idea what I would say, so I'm very interested. Well, I would definitely put Menzingers in there, but do you want something more flushed out? Ooh, you got to give me a few minutes to put that all together. Okay. But I would definitely put the Menzingers amongst that. Very cool. Because, and here's why, because a specific reason, and I've said this to you before, is that the Menzingers have all of these cool guitar licks mm -hmm. that they put kind of interstitially throughout their songs. And you do that a lot. Uh, I, love, I love guitar licks. <laughs> yeah, little, little, little guitar licks. And they're not riffs. They're not like the main... A melody of the song. Mm. They're just like little catchy things that you put, you know, in and out of there. So let's let's give these people a taste of something that you've made. So you came out with a record called Affable and Ready for Small Talk in 2014. Yep. First of all, where did you come up with that title? Um, where did I come up with that title? Um, I think the whole record kind of had this sort of... There was a loose concept to it of like, you know, just trying to the dichotomy between like having something that you're really passionate about and having like a job that you kind of hate. Uh, and okay. So that title was just kind of a reflection of like getting up for work every day and putting on like an affable face and oh. putting on like oh, a happy I face it. and like being like ready to just like talk to people about like little bullshit, but like, so affable and ready for small talk. Is this like, is this veneer that you put on every day when you, when, this is business. Sound. Right. Kind of, yeah. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't, it's not, not, not all the songs are about my experiences with my job. It's about a lot of things that, you know, some people who are close to me were going through also. Okay. So I just noticed at that time, there was kind of a lot of my friends who were really starting to, uh, you know, discovering things that they were really passionate about, but sort of trying to fight that with like their soul sucking jobs and stuff. Is this the first thing that you did or at least put out after the, uh, the astounding? I put out a short EP before this called participation trophy blues. Yes. I remember that. I remember the cover for it at least. <laughs> it's got my two little cousins on it. Holding yes. A trophy. Yes. <laughs> Which is a good cover. Thank you. But Thank you. you put this record out. My which... sister took the photo. Really oh, she did? Photo. Yeah. Well, the cover of this features a picture of you. Yeah. In front of a, a skyline. Yeah, that's uh, on in a building in Tribeca that the guitarist, uh, my guitarist John O'Neill, uh, who hopefully will be on here talking yes, about a record soon. Yes, and um, the who the guy who's now our bassist Dave was not in the band at the time. He actually took that photo. Oh, interesting. So, um, yeah. yeah, I really want to get John on here. I feel like he's worried that he needs to know a lot about stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and definitely he, is. He, and, but I was like, dude, just go on the show. Yeah, like, it's we are man. just like, talking about music. <laughs> so uh, I think he wants to do from first to last. Yeah, which is great because I don't have anybody that wants to do that yet. Yeah, I, if you want to guess for that, I would definitely come on. Would you? Because I like, have Ooh. a very sweet spot in my heart for that record. From first to last? Just that record. Okay. 
I, I hated it. And then like I became roommates with John in college and like he was listening to it all the time. And I was just like, okay, like I get this now. This is awesome. You became, I didn't know you were roommates with John in yeah. college. Mm-hmm. This is just friend talk, but yeah. <laughs> was he into soccer back then too? Uh, yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, so what track are we are we going to play off of this record Affable and Ready for Small Talk which you gave out free LPs to people who went to a show I did the yeah. other day yeah um, can I tell you something yes uh, personal about that when you had a show I think it was at the Electric Factory Bowery uh, Electric Bowery Electric yeah. not the Electric Factory in Philadelphia <laughs> I wish Bowery Electric which is a block away from here <laughs> uh, we I think it was then I wanted to buy a bunch of your records I think I wanted to buy three and you were giving me like a friend price on it. And you were like, you want to buy three. And I think you were just like, Oh, you want that many. But I was like, I, I thought you meant that in the sense of like, Oh, you're cutting into my profits here because I'm going to give you a friend price. Oh, hell no. Dude. Yeah. I didn't realize it then, but I felt oh, really I'm so bad. Sorry for making you feel that way. You should be. You should <laughs> absolutely feel sorry for making me feel something that you had no idea it was making. Me feel. <laughs> This um, is how like a lot of internet comment wars probably start. probably because I wanted I wanted to give one I wanted to give two to my friends and keep one for myself yeah and that's why I wanted to buy dude, buy I was three. so psyched when you said that you wanted to buy three that's why I was like dude get to, you get the friend you get the Costco discount I got the man. Costco discount on this uh, so what which one of these songs are you gonna give the Costco sample on you're out what? there with the tray uh, the toothpick in why don't we do um, why don't we just do the first song on the album Sickness, Sickness and Wilderness because it's quick and it gets right in your face <laughs> So this isn't particularly lick filled. No, it's but not. I like the I, I like with this track in particular. I like the it's not staccato, but like the fact that the, you have this clean guitar that's like playing along with the vocals. You know, mm-hmm. almost as if it's doing like a second vocal part, like along with you. Yeah, everything's so. kind of syncopated. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. But they're going along with each right, other. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, much like, uh, to draw it back to the men's English, sure. uh, it just starts with the vocal and everything. Everything right comes front. in at once. Yeah. Everything's at the front. Um, there's a little bit of licks towards the end. Sure. But, yeah, not very lick ish. What do you mean by sickness and wilderness? Uh, kind of tying back to this part here. Um, well, sickness and wilderness is just like. Side note: I yeah. think this part sounds like it could be in a jam song. Really? Yeah. Do you know you know the jam? I do know the jam. And funny story, I actually just listened to a full like album. What's their uh, uh, all, all the, the mod cons? cons? 
I just listened to that album in its entirety for the first time this morning. Really? Yeah. What did you think of it? I loved it. Yeah, it's I great. I absolutely loved it's it. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, so, the, they have that clean guitar thing going forward. It was very like indicative of, I think, the mod thing they were doing. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. okay. So I knew the jam. I knew a couple songs. Uh, but I listened to... Have you ever listened to the podcast Going Off Track? No. Um, it's, uh, it's the dude from Steven's Untitled Rock Show, Steven. Uh, Jonah Bayer is sort of the main host. He's the guitarist in the United Nations, and he was in another uh, band that was on like Fearless Records or something. Okay. Um, anyway, so he always has amazing guests on, and they had Brian Fallon on recently. Uh, of Gaslight Anthem Gaslight. and The Crows and whatever the hell he's doing yeah, now. Yeah, and his solo project. His solo Bruce Springsteen project. And yeah. he was talking about, for some reason, conversation turns to The Clash, you know, as okay. Brian Fallon often references. And then, I feel like he references Pearl Jam more than he does a Clash. See, I don't know Pearl Jam. So I don't I know them either. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but like, okay, on the first Gaslight album, there's that song I had to call you Woody Joe, which is about which Joe is Strummer. about Joe Strummer. Right. Um, I think they were talking about that, and then he was like, you know, I don't know, talking about something about how like, oh yeah, but the funny thing is like in the UK, like people were way more into the Jam than they were into the Clash. And I was like, I guess what? It was I, never, to, I didn't probably know that. hipper to be into them because the jam was like a, a not glam rock, but they were more put together. They were, they were more mod. Like that's, they were mod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was know? exactly it. The mod. There was there, there's no punk squad. There was the mod squad. Right. Yeah. You know, Claire Danes didn't start any reboot of that. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, I just like I was like, oh shit, like. And then, like, him, Brian, and the other two hosts just were sort of getting into it. And I was like, how have I not really given this band the time of day? Right. And I listened to it this morning, and I was like, oh, fuck, this rules. Yeah, it's so, great. Uh, but that's awesome. Thank you. That's a compliment. So, yeah, well, you're, like you're very welcome. Very cool. Have you heard, uh, not not particular, not, I don't think this sounds like that particular, this particular song, but, like, I think the, one of their biggest songs, and the one that stands out for me is, you know, the song Going Underground? I, I'm sure I would know it if I heard it. Okay, well, we're going to play a little bit of it now just because we're fucking talking about it <laughs> and we're just hanging out here. And uh, everybody should... It's it's a, This is a song that I feel like people don't hear a lot, so I'm going to play it for you anyway. But uh, getting... I guess while I'm looking for this, I'd have called you Woody Joe mm-hmm. off of... Um, Sink or Swim. Sink or Swim by Gaslight Anthem. Do you know the... Do you know, do you know what that means? Uh, this is kind of I a quiz. I have a rough idea. I think it was a knowledge. reference back to um, Joe Strummer's like earlier sort of hippie days, uh, and that was a name that he went by before he went by Joe Strummer. That's right, because he was a big Woody Guthrie fan. Right. And so he would went by Woody, and then he stopped going by Woody, and mm-hmm. then he went to the Clash. Uh, well, he got drafted drafted into the Clash. Well, he was in the 101ers, and then he got drafted into the Clash from there mm-hmm. because uh, 101ers played a show with the sex pistols and uh joe strummer saw the sex Pistols playing he's like this is the future of music and he right. put the one ers bernie rhodes puts together the clash mm-hmm. um he's in the studio and the drummer this guy topper heaton mm-hmm. comes in and joe strummer has these big ears topper heaton had no idea that he used to call himself woody after woody guthrie he thought he looked like woody woodpecker and so he called <gasps> you he's like hey what's up woody and joe strummer looks at him and goes don't ever fucking call me woody again Wow. Yeah. So I'd question which uh, which reference to Woody Brian Fallon was, was talking about with that. I think it was the Woody Guthrie one. Perhaps. But I'm not It might positive. make sense. It might make sense to be off of that Topper Heaton thing. Yeah. Though. Anyway, wow. this is the jam going underground.
Yeah. Yeah. Great. Mm, Great stuff. Awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> are you gonna Are you gonna seek out more of the gem? Oh, absolutely. I after say, listening I to it today. I already saved to my phone, my Spotify. So yeah. Amazing. Uh, so you never told me what wilderness and sickness. Means. Oh yeah, sickness and wilderness. Um, sickness and wilderness. Sickness I apologize. And wilderness. Uh, so what is that? I mean, it's just kind of like general, I feel like, you know, you ever get into a period in your life where you just feel like you're kind of just always in like a fucking cloud, like you're walking around in a cloud and like everything feels kind of foggy and like nothing is really like, you're not really on in any kind of way. And you know, you're just, you just feel kind of like you're floating in, in like a fog. Have I ever felt that? Yeah, have you no. ever felt that? No, you've never <laughs> no, felt I've that. never felt that. Wow, wow. That's just me, Hats though. off to you, man. Thank you. <laughs> that happens to me a lot. I never felt like I'm just in a cloud. <laughs> but it's about, it's about that. It's just about like feeling like you're sick and lost. Like sickness is sickness, and sure. the wilderness is just being like lost. In this foggy sort of thing, yeah. so the fog is like the wilderness. And the lyric is, sickness and wilderness will never get me to where I gotta go right now. It's like staying in that state will never, you'll never be able to progress. You need to like... Yeah. And the, the, the last lyric is, um, uh, sickness and wilderness will never get me to where I go right now. I'm going to make it out. Ask me what is wrong. Trying to stop the world from ending. Uh, so it's kind of just about like overcoming that. A, a, a dr- very dramatic line. To end <laughs> well, on. actually that's, that was because I was writing it, um, on the day that the world was supposed to end, according to uh, oh really, that dude, you remember that? Like, I do. In like 2012 or whatever, I was like, at the world was supposed to end. I was at a, <laughs> <laughs> I was at a newfound glory show. Yeah. Put up by Journeys in the parking lot of the Woodbridge Mall in New Jersey. Huh. On the day wow. the world was supposed to end, and on that day, this it was a clear day, and all of a sudden, this gigantic black cloud started like hovering overhead and oh, everyone shit. pointed out even steve <laughs> who's now who's now mr paramore officially uh Wait, like steve? pointed out steve uh, not steve klein um my goodness chad chad gilbert from New oh uh, yeah right he's married uh Haley. Haley. yeah Haley williams congrats yeah congrats, to, congrats <laughs> you're listening to you, chad. congrats chad love to congrats have you on Haley. the show <laughs> both of you guys yeah. um you're great. <laughs> he pointed it out like, oh, the end of the world's coming. So that's where I was on that day. Mm. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I remember just, I was writing this song and like, I was like, what a great like metaphor to steal for this song. Like, uh, mm. you know, so it just kind of happened, you know, that way. But so I think even on the, were you talking about how on the, on the last uh, episode that you were on the, uh, Elliot Smith uh, episode. You're talking about listen. Were you listening to the Menzingers like going to Guitar Center while you were writing this record? Uh, yeah. So this was this was like the first song I finished for the record, and I actually this is like one of the only songs in my entire life that I just like wrote the entire thing in like a matter of hours. That never happens. Really, it never happens. Interesting. But I wrote this song. I was like, I was in a, I was in a, a foggy, like bad time, you know, and. Uh, I sort of like found the Menzingers record and I remember just like doing a lot of wandering around in this time period, like, and like listening to that record and I, it, and it just, it like made me super happy, like the Menzingers record for a lot of reasons, but you know, this record made you happy. The Menzingers record did. Yeah. Wow. Like in, like 
you know, like you ever like you get so into something that's sad that it just kind of like you kind of yeah. are reborn from that a little bit, you know? Yeah. Oh, reborn. Not I don't reborn. Know if it's reborn that. is a strong word. Sorry. Okay. But like, kind of, you're revitalized. That's the word I'm looking for. Because you're so into it. Because yeah. this isn't really uplifting. No, I would no. say. But I find I find like Some I think like are. Thursday records are uplifting. You know, like. Yeah, so, that's fair. Uh, I don't know why. I think there's just something so powerful about like acknowledging your like dark. Sure. Sadness and sure. like whatever. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I was listening to a lot of uh, the Menzingers record at this time. This, and this record. Was, yeah. And this was like just the first few days of me listening to it. So okay. like I had probably been listening to this album for like five days. And so I was just madly in love with it. Okay. And, uh, and um, yeah, this song just happened so fast. You mm-hmm. know, I was just like, I want to write something that's just immediate. I've been listening to like a lot of immediate, like, you know this Menzinger's record is very like I feel like you know immediate sure. in a lot of ways, uh, and um, yeah, it just it just happened. And like once I wrote that, I was like, okay, I know what I want. Now I know what No Nets is for this record. Like it needs to be like this. Like, wow, you know, like it just was like a light bulb went off. And then like I had, I had half of California Weather written, which is um, sort of one of the better known songs on the album and like was this quote unquote single. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and like, it was very much a vibey, like vibey surf guitar song. And then like, after I wrote sickness and wilderness, I was like, Oh, you know what this song, what California weather needs is like a bridge where it just comes, like it gives some of the rock vibe. And like, that's why I think made that song. So what can you point to on this record that you've directly stolen from on the impossible past? Um, uh, the song Rocks You Could Throw, I feel like, is very much Titus Andronicus Menzingers. Okay. Um, the bridge of this. This is song. California weather. Yeah. All right. um, which is, it's pretty far down the line. You might want to fast forward. <laughs> not, you know. Okay, and this is the first or the second chorus? Second. Okay, right here, yeah. This is it. It's coming up. This is really surf rocky. I never picked that up, but you're right. So this part's like it's slower, but it's kind of like a you know more rock and chord progression. Where can people get this? Spotify, iTunes. It was on RDO. That's not around anymore. Bandcamp. Yeah, it's on Bandcamp too. How can you get to it on Bandcamp? No nets. Bandcamp.com. Standard so, spelling on No Nets? No Nets, yeah. N O N E T S? It's also on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash No Nets Music. I couldn't get No Nets. Who the fuck has No Nets? Who else has No Nets? I don't know. They, I don't think they have any sounds up. I think they just have the thing. Actually, No Nets, like if you search No Nets, the hashtag on Instagram, there's a lot of like fishing stuff. <laughs> that makes sense it's like fishing and like basketball i was gonna say locally it would probably be like when the people were opposed to having like the nets in yeah. brooklyn uh-huh. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um so transitioning back into the menzingers we're gonna get into uh a track we opened up this show with uh this is something i like to call personally i like to call sun hotel i remember Wait, we did this one god damn it you're right <laughs> fuck <laughs> We're going to get into uh, sculptors and vandals then.
remember when you came around I was younger drinking game for this record take a drink every time he says remember remember <laughs> There's something about the melody to this song that's very, like, mid-90s, late-2000s, like, pop-punk for me. I don't know what it is. Hmm. Definitely got a 90s vibe. And this part right here is, like, skate punk. Yes. I like the dichotomy on this song. You know, it's like, it gives you a nice little break in the middle of the record, a little acoustic part, and then we get into this, you know, which is a little more expected. Short song, two minutes, nine seconds. I love this rhythm change here. It's like against me, galloping. Yes. Very pints of Guinness, yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. It's good. It's ghost places. It's I have a, a I have a I have a game I want you to play. Not a game, but I want you to do something in your head with this. Okay. Do you know Do you know the starting line? Oh yeah. Or person L. Oh yeah. I, I I know of person L. Actually, my friend Luke's friend was the bassist in that. Oh something? really? Yeah. But you know uh, Kenny Vasoli. Yeah. <laughs> Think of Kenny Vasoli singing this song. <laughs> <laughs> Same lyrics, same melody. Think of him singing this. I remember when you came around, I was younger. I think it fits in it's perfectly, man. Especially even the even the speedier part, like yeah. I could see them spinning it up like Just released a new EP, by the way. Starting line. Three song EP. What? Yep. How it could me of all people not have heard of this? Dude, the first song is really, really good. Uh, I, that's the only one I've really absorbed. Yeah. I gotta get back on that. Get on it, man. Hold on. I want you to <laughs> listen to this thing of Kenny right now. Just with his bass and yeah. <laughs> Totally. Anyway, anything else on this song from you? No. I think it's a cool title. Sculptors and Sculptors and Manuals. Yeah. It feels very much like a old school pop punk song title, something like that. Stories yeah. and alibis. Stories and alibis. Yeah. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, Bayside Sirens and Condolences. Two, just two things yeah, together. Something and something. Laverne and Shirley. Sunny <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Cher. Sunny and Cher. The next song, hugely popular for good reason, I think. Ooh, yeah, this this is this is a fucking ripper. Man. I love this song. I think this would have been a good second track. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This is Mexican guitars. I love this Chuck Berry riff. Oh, the bending. Yeah.
How great is that, man? This sound right here is the Menzingers. No, but just like this, like this punk music, you can't get this sound anywhere else. There is nothing else that will give you this sound right here. Of like this, like. Dude, this oh, line. Dude, this song is amazing. You were an old friend that covered up your innocence with bad tattoos of all the bands you loved in high school. The ones you said I had to listen to all the time. I love this song because, like, I feel like everyone has this friend. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I have a very clear picture of, like, I think. Of go ahead, go people ahead. People who I just have, like, it's like, you know, you have that friend who you were just, like, so close to in high school and, like, you, you know, it sounds to me this song is like kind of like a parting uh, homage. Like they moved away from each other. They don't really hang out that much anymore, you know, but it's sort Any of song that's in the past tense always has that, which yeah. this one is. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. you, and you're, you're driving in your car and you hear something that reminds you of that person and it just like brings you back, you know, to that time. And there's just so many good like uh, metaphors for youth and like especially just like the, the punk sort of suburban youth thing like Mexican guitars everyone had a fucking Squire Mexican Stratocaster or something <gasps> you know like whoa I never thought of oh, that oh you didn't get that man I thought, yeah. I thought it was like because like because you couldn't afford like a real guitar and so like the I feel like sometimes like a nylon string the, like, yeah like a nylon classical yeah. guitar and you would play like a punk acoustic like with a pick yeah. on those no I Fuck, think it's, you're I think absolutely it's like right because you, you couldn't squire. afford the made in the USA yeah. ones yeah, so you would man. buy the mid Jesus right <laughs> I just blow your mind <laughs> you just blew my mind on this goddamn song oh my Does god that make it even better like, yeah <laughs> I'm gonna listen to this song a million times now after this just yeah, with man. that knowledge of it thank you like to me this is like i bet you it was like all right he's on the he's listening to the radio so what was this like uh was it like a i don't know like some goo goo dolls song or some you know 90s rock band song or like blink 182 song or there's something like some major rock band song that you know you're learned on your fucking like the first song i think i ever learned on guitar was like damn it by blink 182 was it my friend pete's like shitty squire you know like that i borrowed i think the first song i ever learned was the uh (laughs) the guitar riff to the space between by dave matthews (laughs) dude that's way more impressive than damn it by blink 182 it's higher up the neck, so <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, it's higher up the neck, so it immediately looks more impressive. <laughs> uh, awesome, oh, my man. God. That brings brand new light to this song for me. Oh, man. And this song is already fucking cool as shit as it is. So I kind of feel like I'm like this kid that he's talking about, but now. Because like I have a 311 tattoo. Uh, I have a Joe <laughs> Strummer tattoo. Uh, I I was this close to having a Lincoln Park tattoo. So, no, I'm I still regret the fact that I didn't get that because this is going to be a was cool it, tattoo. Was it of the the like butterfly yeah, the soldier? Okay, you bet your cool. ass that's it was going to be cool. a butterfly soldier as long with a flag it wasn't like on my the LP. back. Like th- that was kind no, of a cool icon. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm still upset I didn't get that. I still might get that. God, um, just get it done in like some cool traditional style or something. 
Or though you, your tattoos are more like, you don't have like traditional as much as like, I feel like yours are kind of like a black and white, like monotone. Yeah. There are a lot of monotone. I like yeah. to have the highlights of the red in there. Yeah. But, um, I don't know what I'll do with that. It'll probably be black with like a highlight of red in there or something. I'm like kind of glad that I didn't start getting tattoos till I was older. Cause I would have definitely had like a misfits tattoo or like something. I don't think you would have regretted it. Yeah. I think you would have, so, I think cause you're smart enough where you'd be like, no, this is what I liked back then. True. You're right. I had good reason for getting right. this, you know? Yeah. And I don't, I don't, yeah, they're all like, like uh, litigious kind of like jerks now, right. but I, I still but, like them, yeah, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah, them. exactly. Yeah, like I really wanted the minor threat sheep like so bad. But you would, actually, I kind of would still get that maybe. Right, <laughs> but you wouldn't get it on your face no, or something no, like that. No, so no. if it was anywhere else, uh-huh. I think you'd be fine with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mexican guitars, man. You just opened up this this whole thing for me in a new way. So now we're going to get into, uh, I guess, the... Uh, no, it is the title track of this on The Impossible Pass, which really slows it down. Mm. So this this record is called On the Impossible Past, as is this song. Mm-hmm. A lot of these songs, like I said, the drinking a drinking game is drink every time he says remember. But he, the record's called On the Impossible Past. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this is talking about just memories and past things, you know? Yeah. This record has the nostalgia that other records that actually nostalgic are. This record is not from your youth. Mm-hmm. It's not from my youth. Yeah. But it still has the nostalgia of that that records of our youth would have, but it's Absolutely. in this like new way. Yeah. And totally, man. That's that is a beautiful critique, man. Is it? That is so spot on, really. It Oh, okay. So when such a good transition right here, man, to the next song. Oh. Yeah. I feel like they're kind of the same song. Right. Like this is I, you, I gotta you pause said, it we said before, like when both singers sing on a song, it's magical. When both singers, like, I feel like, um, you know, Greg wrote the wrote on the impossible past, and Tom wrote uh, nice things, mm-hmm. and like, these they they feel like one song on the record, but like, you can see each of their individual songwriting personalities coming out so much in each song, right? Yet they blend so well together. It's yes. just like two guys who are writing amazing songs almost like writing two separate songs that feel like one song. It's just like such a cool uh, transition. I love it. Do you think, Blink-182, do you think that those two guys, do you think that their writing styles complement each other? Uh, I mean, that is a question, man. Uh, I mean, they were my absolute favorite band for a long time as a kid. Um, so when I was a kid, I would definitely have said yes, because 
but now you you write your own songs now and mm-hmm. like uh, that's not i wouldn't call your 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 work just a hobby anymore you know? yeah it's a little bit more than it's that. a little more but yeah yeah i, I feel yeah so um, critically you understand more than that right like, so right. what do you think yeah i think they do um but not as much as i i used to mm-hmm. um and i think that I've just kind of grown to like Mark's songs more. I always did like Mark better. Because of his voice? Because of his voice. Okay. I always liked Mark's voice better. And I also just kind of liked the songs that were hit, he sung on a little bit better, probably because of the voice. But um, I can't stand Tom's voice anymore. I just can't do it. Anymore. Okay. I just cannot do it. Like on the old songs, 100%. But like listening to their new album, like I liked their were. I didn't really love the album, but there was a couple songs I really liked, like After Midnight, mm-hmm. it was a Mark song. I think Tom might sing on it a little bit, but uh, anyway, I they they complement each other, yes, but I I think over the years they've kind of they've sort of forked in the road, sure, uh, and gotten a lot different. Um, I think in more think? than just in more than just lyric writing, yeah. Uh, I think lyric wise, they're still kind of on the same page for the most mm. part. Of course, vocally they're different. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that if one person wrote the other person's lines, then I I don't think I'd. Well, one thing I remember that, that I thought although was... Tom mentions God a lot, not mm. a lot more than Mark does, because I don't think Mark ever mentions God. Tom mentions God once in a while. I don't think he's a religious dude or anything like that, but yeah, I just the, the one that, that stands out to me is Letters to God from Boxcar Racer, obviously, but oh. Um, there's Shit. some God references, and that was the first time I remember noticing it, but maybe just because I wasn't paying attention. Before. There's a B-side they have called Not Now, this song called Not Now, and it's a Tom song. It's a cool song. And he has this line that says, God has a master plan. And I was always like, ooh, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, you know, but I, I get that Tom's a little bit more out there with stuff. Angels and Airwaves. Yeah, and just like more, he he. Tr- I think he tries to be a little bit more just <sighs> loose and highbrow. Yeah. yeah, sometimes to the point where it's like it's, he almost almost seems contrived. But whatever. Yeah. yeah, and you know, here's the thing. I I don't know if that's if I feel like it's contrived because it is contrived, or because I'm looking at it at the lens of everything I know about Tom DeLonge making like fart jokes. It's kind well, of that's like, the thing is because you have that context right. of him. Like, I have a DVD. I still have that DVD of him, like on a on a fucking Winnebago, like in a Winnebago, like spitting all over himself and pretending it was right. like cum or something like that. And, and I hate that I think that way because, like, I like I would like to think that you know people believe in my ability to evolve and yeah. like, everyone evolves, Absolutely. right? But I guess. Um, it's hard to disconnect the art from the person. Like in instance of the starting line, I kind of have a thought around that. Um, Cause you know, Kenny has a new band called vacationer, which is kind of like a dream pop, like washed mm-hmm. out type mm-hmm. band. Mm-hmm. And like, I love some bands in that genre, particularly washed out. Um, but I just like listening to vacationer. I'm like, I should like this objectively because the way it's produced and the, the sort of, you know, lyrical themes and the song structures are very similar to things that I like in this genre, but I don't, I can't get into it. And I'm not sure if that's because it's contrived or it's because I'm just thinking of best of me all the time. I have the same thing where objectively something ticks off every box of something Mm -hmm. I would like, but I just don't like it. I have that thing, or I guess had that thing about the all American rejects. Mm. Everything about All American Rejects ticks off every box. Like, of course.
course I'm gonna like this fucking band. And I do like one song. That song, Move Along. I like that song. That's a good song. That's actually the only song by them I like. Yeah. But everything else, man, I hate, I do not like that song, Swing Swing, That's which was their first terrible. song. And just all of their other stuff is just so lackluster. And I, just, I actually don't like it. But everything, I, every, it ticks the box of everything I should like. So weird. But so it does weird. feel very contrived, though, to me. I mean, does I don't, it, it doesn't seem contrived singles. to me. It just seems like it's just like, okay, yeah, that's the thing, and I'm I, I'm not into it for some reason, but I don't know why. Yeah. Um, maybe I don't, I don't know. It's not the lead singer's voice because his voice is fine. I don't know what it is. There's just something about it. There's that X factor, man. Like, there is know. that X factor. Yeah, who knows what that is? Who knows what it is? But we're gonna get into <laughs> what what on the Impossible Pass leads flawlessly into, which is nice things. Uh, the only music video they ever made for this. Do you a music video for this? Bold choice. I really like that. That's awesome. They crushed the chor- use of the chorus pedal on this album, I have to say. This is a great sound right here, right now. you got Sal? I got a few things. Yeah. First of all, the bass player crushes in on this song with that do 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 fill right here. It's like hot water music. I like that a lot. Um, Secondly, I feel like this song is one of the more, um, it's definitely one of the more politically conscious songs on the album. Because he says the word western. Well, yeah, and, and and the whole song I think is a critique of is like sort of a criticism of uh, materialism. Interesting. Okay. Um, so it, lyrically, it feels a lot different from the other songs, but also very much connected because I think there's a sense of searching for happiness, and maybe you're finding it in booze or in this song. You know, the the theory is that you should be finding it through materialism. Um, but just the whole opening lyric, like Western walls are closing in. Or what is it? Western walls. Are... He says that. He says that eventually. The Western walls are jumbo screen. screen. So it's like you know, prison, being prison to uh, TV, kind of. I guess is what he's talking about. At the gate, there's an ATM. So uh, the lyrics are: the Western wall is a jumbo screen. At the gate, there is an automatic teller machine. Uh, sir, empty your pockets. Please, before you file through, the king and queen foreclosed on their crowns while the joker laughed and made his rounds. He was drunk, carrying on self-satisfied. This verges on Don McLean territory. Yeah, kind of. You know, uh, Western walls are closing in. Are you happy? Sane, are you rich? Are you thin? Right. So that plays into this whole like image of like, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, what people should look like. Dreaming their dreams, singing songs of another time. 
Is your gold so strangely acquired? Has your name become? Is this about World War Two? To me, I don't and think like so. And like the and like Berlin. To me, well, the Western Wall thing, you know. But I think gate, to me, yeah. this song is about like this song is sort of painting the picture of the whole world that this album is existing in, like this kind of like depraved Rust Belt, like decaying city, like mm. you know those lyrics are used. Uh, in other places but it's kind of right. like the king and queen foreclosed on their crown like you know maybe people like maybe this guy's parents or friends or something like thought they had made it because they bought a house but like they weren't able to afford it they foreclosed you know uh the joker laughed and made his rounds like and then it ends on just him repeating climb the wall before the fall climb the wall before the fall and which then, comes back in the last song too right no one is no one is waiting no one is waiting for, nobody's waiting, no one is waiting for you. It's bleak. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Makes me think of Bridge of Spies. <laughs> I haven't seen that. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'd, I'd give it a wreck. I'd give it the old wreck. Give it a thumbs up. Yeah. This is this is I guess this is the most uh I guess veiled definitely song is. on the record. Right. You know, you that has the most I think I a feel, lot open to interpretation here. Right, but I think there's the most amount of well, it's open to interpretation, and I, I think it's the heaviest use of use of intended metaphor yes. on the record, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, all right. all right. Well, let's get into kind of uplifting, yeah, Casey. Probably the the perfect encapsulation of what we were talking about before about having like this like working class romance, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then he starts screaming. Oh, the tambourine. Yeah. So this was the first track that jumped out at me from this record. Like, this song is like... Oh, it's it, fucking incredible, man. It is... <laughs> man, I hate using the word epic, so I'm not going to use that word. But this song is just like... It's hearty. Yeah. You know? This song is a meal. Yeah. Musically, lyrically. Um, I love this sort of this sort of like linear structure of it. Like it just kind of keeps moving. Like you think it's gonna break down here, but and it's then like, it's gonna go back. Oh, it's going back up now. Like yeah. But it doesn't go back into the verse. No. Yeah, it goes into this halftime yeah. thing. So actually, what we're gonna do here is play our first piece off on the possible pass, and this is Casey. Oh. So again, on the possible pass. Uh, was a collection of demos uh, recorded in the winter and spring of 2011. Pre-orders of this of the of the on the Impossible Pass came with a cassette of these. That's cool. Yeah, 
don't and then, have a cassette player, but... You don't? No. I, bought a, I bought a tape deck. Because nice. I'm... Uh, <laughs> an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 have vinyl. I do vinyl, but I haven't got... Huh, interesting register he's in here. Listen to that reverb. Yeah. I'm really glad he reined in the vocal here. Sounds like dashboard because it's like in o- it sounds like it's an open D. Yeah. Like. Different there. Different there. Let's have Eric stumble to our adolescent coming of what? Oh, let's go back. Trio records? Something trio records. Stumble on our adolescent something trio records. So the lyric off of this version is we got off by whatever we got high off whatever and we stumbled through our adolescent humming early trio records obviously alkaline Alkaline trio yeah which is a band i have to get you into i know yeah uh when i kissed the curves of your clavicle which is a big alkaline trio song you waited tables i waited for your shift breaks On search of that old place we found forever ago. I don't know why. Do you, do you feel like the, the subject of the song is dead? I don't know why it feels like that to me. No, I think that he thinks that these specific references kind of make the song trite. Because hmm. I think that specific references can date a thing and kind of like do that sometimes. Kind of make a song trite. I don't know. Wait, no, I mean like... Is, Kay- is the Casey character like Dead. still alive? Right, That's right, what right. I mean. Is that what you're responding no. to? No. No. Uh, oh, you, you think of not only not only this version, but the next yeah, version? Yeah, not in this version. I, I mean, I don't really just know Casey the in general. I'm just saying the character of Casey. To have a song named after a person, yeah. like... I feel like that's a memorial. Yeah. So something I think probably died. Yeah. I don't know why. It just feels like maybe he was coming back from her funeral. Like yeah, I, I thought about you in the long run back to Philly. Um, it it has to be that because when you name a song after a person like bluntly like that, like the song is just called Casey. Mm-hmm. You know, like usually when you're writing a song about someone that's alive, I feel you're you're covering it in other things because you're talking about something else. But when you have a song about someone like. It's like a memorial, and this certainly sounds and seems like a memorial uh, to that person. Yeah. You know, like, like what doesn't fit in that? Katie's great. Katie, Katie's great is a bouncing soul song that's not, you know, about a dead person. But like, this certainly seems like it's about a dead person. Yeah, totally. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, yeah, there's so many good lyrics in this one too. Just like uh, we used, to, uh, you know, we used to get drunk before we did the dishes. 
every evening. Uh, we used to get high and listen to our boredom because it was so much easier than dealing with everything. It's, ah, just tears at the heartstrings. So good. So this is, okay, here's a little fun fact for this record. Every song on this record was written by just the Menzingers, except for this one. Hmm. This one has a different writing credit on there. And it's from this guy, uh, Daniel Zazerski, who is also known performing-wise as Beko, B-E-A-K-O. And here is what um, Greg says about it. So, uh, here's another... One night, I was recording an EP for my friend Danny of Biko at our old practice spot next to the Sun Hotel in the South Side. Uh, we did it live in this little room. Tom would sleep in occasionally. In the other room, there was a party going on. Danny started to play a song called Casey, and it was the most, it was the most beautiful song I had ever heard. The first verse went, Casey gets drunk before she does the dishes when we listen to our boredom. What, when we listen to... When will we listen to our boredom? It's still the best song I ever heard. I asked Danny if we could use a bit of it for a song I was working on. He agreed. I'm still in debt to him. Wow. So he gets a writing credit on that song because I guess, you know, he it's kind like, of had the concept of it. Huh. And then it seems like they finished the rest of it. Hmm. So maybe it's not as literal as I thought it was. Hmm. But the, that's what this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. And it is an open D. Ah, One night at Test Pattern, I was watching Ben Walsh play a guitar, and I noticed he would play his uh, phrases chords using an open D position. I went home and did the same thing. I used to write rivalries. Here's another example. Yeah. So, there you have it with that. Yeah, great track with that stuff. Uh, Okay, we got a few more tracks to go. How many more are left? Two, right? Uh, Let's see. Two more tracks, yeah. So I I feel like I can. Freedom Bridge. Okay. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? I was going to say in my head, like just going into Casey right there, I was thinking like, oh man, I love that this is the second to last song on the record, but it's not, but it's not. Okay. So we're going to get into, I can't seem to tell right now. song they played live a lot i feel yeah it's a good song it feels like the I first never... song they wrote after chamber of Weights. you think so that's what it feels like to me uh that's interesting it feels very much grounded in like the old Menzingers um style i will i don't this is never a song i would put on first like oh i want to hear this song this is always yeah. something that comes with the record not not to the great detriment of this song at all but I, I, this is just not something I'm, I'm that has ever jumped out at me particularly. This lyric right here always kind of throws me off guard a little bit. Remember when I had a conscience? I remember the days when I had a conscience. Yeah, yeah me, me neither. neither. It feels it's like a Nirvana. Taking Back Sunday lyric. Oh, Taking Back Sunday. Interesting. Like it's kind of this like 
I'm a cocky asshole kind of thing, which really mm, doesn't cheek, feel yeah. like the character that I assume this songwriter to be on the rest of the whole entire album. Well, so it wh- kind of really off puts me that line. But, uh, oh God, what's the song where he makes all his defer- declarations? I am... Uh, yeah, I, I am the pain that beats to your, through your temples. I am the pain that beats through your temples. That's but, very but that's, cocky and song It is, but it's like... I don't know. It doesn't bother me as much because it's like... Not exactly... Uh, things that one that are um but one should be proud of i don't know it's like alcohol poisoning like it's more about like i don't know i gotta think that one through think it through but (laughs) we're gonna finish this up because we're getting running a little bit a little bit long here this is freedom bridge and this is what you think they should finish the record on and i i guess i agree this is a very finishing record track thoughts on this track I really it feels like a, an, a wonderful closer and I agree like, I don't know if this album is any kind of concept album but it, it just feels like you know in the world that I feel the Menzingers have created in this album mm-hmm. we're getting sort of like the denouement of a lot of the characters mm-hmm. maybe they're not necessarily uh, mentioned in the stories that are you know that are sort of in the previous songs you're right there are a lot of specific named ca- like their characters are named there yeah. are, you could like put a character list for this yeah. you're absolutely right yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's sort of um, again it, it fits very well thematically with everything else that's happening in the record and I like that we are getting specific names here you yeah. know of people um, and I think it, it really does speak to the overall, like, I think I said, like, Rust Belt's uh, new American sadness kind of thing, sure. you know? Uh, where maybe, like, you know, everything that you dreamed uh, and you believed in as a kid, it didn't quite pan out when you grew up. And mm-hmm. someone ends up as a junkie or someone went into the army and they yeah. thought it would make them great, but they just end up haunted or whatever mm. it's it's uh it's it's an kind of a sad note to end on but this is a great like folky song because yeah, it, it like so, mentions so. friends and it, it's yeah. telling the story of each almost like or really even like a springsteen song mm-hmm. you know where he's like talking about like that. like each verse like talks about a different person you know in their yeah. story sal picture the album cover in your mind mm-hmm. describe it the album cover of this of album? this record of On the Impossible Past. Uh, black and white album cover, close up of a girl's chest with like a tattoo between her boobs that are sort of, and she's wearing like a low cut top. I don't think there's a tattoo. There's no tattoo. There's just stretch marks. There's stretch marks. Yeah. Okay, there's stretch marks. Uh, she's got an engagement ring on. She's like showing it. She's got a she ring just on. Just got engaged. Sure. It looks like. 
what do you think what do you think this cover has to do with anything it seems to me like it could be one of the characters it feels like maybe like i don't know i, I don't i don't like the album cover to be honest you don't not really like it doesn't it's it's okay i think it's iconic in its way mm-hmm. like for sure um actually don't like is a strong word it's 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 okay it's fine um so i looked into what why they chose this picture yeah. i got a few answers from different from different members of the band but there's one that settles in so uh you know oh here we go from uh there's an interview with greg barnett on this website called underpagrounds.wordpress.com he had an interview with this guy and first he talks about uh you know what's the meaning behind the cover of on the impossible past it's very different than anything before and then greg uh uh greg barnett goes uh different is good uh art should have many interpretations i'd be cheating the very idea of its purpose if i gave you my interpretation take it for what you want no more holding hands and then he asks the girl in the blue cotton dress and burn after writing the same one in times tables and he replies no one's from lake ariel and one's from scranton two places that are light years away from each other it's a popular color dress for women our age apparently you don't want to meet either of them (laughs) that's what greg says so now uh this is this is something that michael mees who uh put uh the review of this record for on property of zach a popular uh, yeah popular sort of punk i'm uh, kind of sad that that site's not around anymore me too so he says the album cover for on the impossible pat on the impossible past is a black and white photograph of a woman's near bare torso her hand is placed upon her chest her face is not shown so we do not know what she is thinking could she be gasping for breath could she be stunned, exasperated, bewildered, or possibly she is overjoyed at the silver band on her ring finger might suggest that the silver band on her ring finger might suggest. The album cover, much like the music, covers a vast array of emotions. Mm-hmm. Now, this is from Tom May's Ask Me Anything on Reddit. A guy named Jacoby asks, who is the woman on the front of On the Impossible Past and why did you guys choose that image? And Tom goes, We'll never know who she is. She's the subject of a photograph taken in the NEPA, which I guess is Northeast Pennsylvania, uh, area by a photographer named Mark Cohen. We chose that image because of the humility of the picture. It was taken in an area where we grew, in the area we grew up and an area that several songs are about. The focus of the image lies with the new looking wedding ring and the hand in the position on her chest to suggest she was excited, surprised, or nervous that she was chosen to be the subject of a photographer. A lot of children, or what I assume to be children, on the internet can't handle the cleavage in the picture. The fact that her cleavage is part of the picture can't be picture can't be ignored. It's part of the picture and therefore is part of the reason we chose that picture. She looks like your girlfriend, your partner, your sister, your mom, your aunt, etc. Her body is not overtly ugly or modern magazine airbrushed attractive. She looks real and beautiful. This is it's really a fantastic picture. She looks familiar and there is something more attractive and beautiful and not necessarily boner face sexual about that <laughs> boner face sexual sure yeah because you can see the stretch marks and she's uh-huh. got some i like that some real I like it a lot saggy more hangers <laughs> <laughs> saggy hangers she's got some saggy hangers i like it more after that description actually i i wasn't really thinking the cover you're saying so much about um all of the uh potential ways it could be interpreted I sure guess. 
Um, but I actually, now that I'm like thinking about all of their other album covers and it is my favorite out of their album covers, like mm-hmm. some bands I feel like just don't really get, like aren't, aren't really nailing their artwork all the time, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and then others. Name names. Remember. No, you don't have to names. do that. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Uh, but yeah, so if I have to make the most important punk albums that have come out post 2000, mm-hmm. this is in the top 10. Absolutely. For sure. 100%. For sure. 100%. Top five? I, I, it's, if I'm going to say that close, now. But I think it, it might is. be glib of me to say that, but like top 10 most important punk albums. I'm putting, I'm putting this record in at least the top 10, if not the top five, since 2000. Absolutely. I think I'm with you on that. Top five. Top five for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Especially, I mean, all right, since 2000. Definitely since 2010. Definitely since 2010. Yes, yes, 2010, yes, yes, yes. 2010, like top three. In sure. Since 2010, uh, I'll definitely give you that. Top five with, since 2010, yeah. And I mean, we're only six years in from that. That's but true. We got a while to go. We got a while to go. But yeah, so far, I'll definitely put that in there. Um, yeah. Anything, any other closing thoughts on this record, Sal? Uh, no, I'm, I'm really glad to, uh, to talk about this with you because it's, it's an awesome record and there's so much to unpack, uh, and it's just truly a great record. And I am sad that I didn't like it for like a couple of weeks because that would have more time I would have enjoyed it. It makes it more interesting when (laughs) you have that, uh, 93 out of a hundred based on nine reviews on Metacritic. Huh. Uh, Absolute Punk's number one on AP.net staff list for top 30 albums of 2012. Punk News's best of 2012 staff picks. Damn. Yeah, man. Absolute Punk and Punk News agreeing on yeah, something. Yeah, they were, they were, they put this record on top, man, and I think for very good reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the other records when we talk about them, but this record, this is something else, man. This is an important one. Yep. Absolutely. Well, if you don't have anything else, that's about all I got. All right, guys. From uh, me, your podcast warlord, and Sal of uh, No Nets, we're going to wish you adieu. Please go listen to this record, like now, especially with that knowledge of knowing what Mexican guitars is about. (laughs) And uh, yeah, guys, up the punks and all that good stuff. And uh, we'll see you later. Attention Springwood, my name is Josh Krebs. And I'm Liz Richards. And we're the hosts of Bloody Date Night. So Josh and I have been dating for four years, and Josh loves horror movies, and I hate him. Yeah, so each episode we go through the horror movie franchise canon to watch an episode and then meet up and we discuss it together. And so far it's been going pretty well, right Liz? I think it's gone pretty well so far. Yeah, each episode I try to see how far I can push Liz to watch a really good horror movie until she basically leaves me and it hasn't worked yet. Not yet. And it's awesome because you're the Tatum to my Sydney. You're sweet. And here's a clip from one of our recent episodes. Hello, I'm Exposition. Hey, let me, t- let me tell you what just happened. There's a break-in at this costume store. Somebody stole some ropes, some knives. Somebody stole a mask. They stole $250. <laughs> they scared a cat. They took two boas. They took two boas. Two feather boas, one I, set of angel wings. It's one of those goddamn... They're probably having a burlesque. <laughs> probably doing a burlesque show later. I don't know. Oh, Haddonfield. What isn't happening? Haddonfield's first burlesque. <laughs> burlesque club. That'd be amazing. I would love that. 
Um, the Lacey Pumpkin. The la- Ooh. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!